Hello, everybody, and welcome to another film podcast. My name is Tierney. I'm Colin. And I'm Matt. And this week, we'll be discussing the Italian film Cinema Paradiso. Did I say uh, that right? This was my... Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you guys were both Cinema completely Paradiso. silent. <laughs> no, I just... <laughs> I just didn't know what the next follow-up was. Well, I, well this uh, is your pick, so I thought you were going to jump in. My... So this is just the... Right. Good, That's good job, what team. I was about to starting do. Off, starting off real, <laughs> doing real, great. real, real great. <laughs> uh, so this was my pick. Uh, it came out in 1989, uh, or it won the best foreign language uh, Oscar in 1989 or whatever. So it this was like, movie is as old as I am. I was, exactly. The movie itself about, came out in 1989. It won the award in 1990. Did it? Did you look that I, up? Yeah, I have it pulled up right now. Okay. I mean, okay. I didn't know if it was there later. <laughs> I know. I didn't realize. It. I didn't know if it was eighty-eight to eighty-nine or if it was eighty-nine to ninety. That's so you did the work. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it's uh, pretty uh, beloved by a lot of people um, who have seen it. Uh, a lot of the reviews are like, "Everybody loves this movie," um, but I uh, had heard a lot about it, and then I watched it last year, um, renting it from my local movie rental store movie madness in portland oregon uh support movie madness and support the hollywood theater uh anyway i rented the movie from there uh i fell in love with it um i think like a single man there are definitely aspects that i think are which movie uh yeah which one a single man a single man that, tom ford's that's the one with Stuhlbarg. uh yes yeah, Stuh- Stuh- okay. is perfect anyway, in that cinema movie there's Paradiso, no flaws in cinema that Paradiso. movie <laughs> Uh, anyway there's like parts that i am happy to discuss uh kind of the uh almost like uh endearing uh poorly made quality of those aspects but uh overall i i find this movie incredibly charming and uh i sobbed the first time i watched this movie and I'm happy to report I sobbed just as hard last <laughs> night when I watched it. Um, I find it uh, a very moving movie. So I'm excited to talk about it and hear your thoughts. Yeah, so um, I saw this movie once, and I don't know if I watched the entire thing. So it was in like a discussion seminar class that I was auditing my senior year of college. So you can guess how invested in that class i was um so i i remember parts of this movie but i don't think i watched the entire thing and i barely remembered anything else from it so like i have technically seen this movie before but not really so last night was my i would i would argue my first time actually watching this movie and actually giving it the respect and attention that it deserves um and i thought it was it was really really sweet and really beautiful um i'm i'm like as both of you guys know i am uh i love coming of age stories and i love movies and i love film like specifically film so like i was predisposed to enjoy this movie anyway but uh yeah it it is it's very moving and very touching and very sweet um so yeah i'm I'm glad that i finally crossed it off the list like in in for real (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I never even heard of this movie until this week, uh, and I loved this movie. Uh, specifically, I think I loved the first act the most. Um, there were like 
a couple things in the later ones, later acts where I was like, what's going on here? But for the most part, the first hour of the movie is like perfect. Uh, and Toto is so cute. Yeah. And so <laughs> little. Uh, but yeah, no, I really liked it. It's like, a, like you said, a coming of age film that also has to do with movies. So it was right up my alley. Bless. Yeah. Um, also, there's I, a lot of really subtle Catholic humor, which I found very funny. I, because Italy's so Catholic. you. I think I always forget that, like, Italy and Sicily, but, like, that whole area is just, like, almost, like, of course we're Catholic. Like, of course everything is Catholic. What do you think? Like, the Vatican is here. <laughs> like, well, my I, favorite like, moment is when they're doing, like, the blessing of the new theater. And if you, it's like a crowd of people, so there's so much to watch. But the guy next to him keeps being like, oh. Yes. Yeah. And, like, wiping his face because he keeps getting it in his eye. I was like, God, that's so good. Yeah. And it starts off. Uh, early on with the uh, with Toto being an altar boy falling asleep and then forgetting to ring the bell. Uh, that's literally me in my childhood. Yes. Like, I was an altar server, <laughs> I fell asleep, and that bell was, like, a real highlight of, uh, of church because it was something that you got to do that anyone noticed. Mm-hmm. I was ring the little bell. As I got a bloody who... nose one time as an altar. <laughs> I guess I was just oh, an no. altar server because I'm a girl. Uh, which... <laughs> I just missed half of church. <laughs> oh, I think no. I actually got it like several times. I accidentally got a bloody nose and had to miss half of church. <laughs> that'd be the that'd be the Colin Fields maneuver, by the way. What were you going to say, Colin? You were not an altar server, right? <laughs> uh, as somebody who grew up very not Catholic, and as somebody who is currently very not religious, I, I didn't I didn't catch a lot of that. I mean, like obviously, I'm familiar enough with Catholicism that I got a lot of what was going on. Um, but I did. I will say, like when you first see him sleeping like up there on the altar i was like this is matt <laughs> this is 100 percent." i would fall asleep during church that's 100 like, percent. for the I record did. for listeners i knew that matt was an altar boy like growing up but he had never specifically told me that he fell asleep during church but as i was watching Constantly. this movie i was like oh absolutely this is matt <laughs> I was a child with no bedtime, <laughs> expected to serve at 11 a.m. mass at St. Mary's in Elgin, or uh, at St. John's in Stringwood. But uh, no matter where I was, no matter uh, which church I was serving, I would fall asleep. I was very tired all the time, um, and I just found church to be so boring. Uh, and so I very much uh, identified with. Uh, Toto falling asleep and then being like <gasps> the bells <laughs> to ring the bells because that's what I did. Um, but yeah, I I found uh, looking looking at it now, it does feel like the first, second, and third acts are separate movies. Yeah. Um, they're all like achieving different goals and using uh, uh, imagery to like uh, communicate different things. There's so much that happens in uh, the cinema paradiso in the first act. Um, that like we we see again in the second act, but like so much of the first first act is about the life that happens within this theater, um, and like the community that happens in this room together. Um, the second act reinforces that and shows like a lot of those same characters now further down the line. Um, but the first act seems so focused on that, and the second act is so focused on the love story. 
um, which I find uh, very uh, beautiful. I love the second act and and just like how romantic everything is shot and everything is is presented. Um, and the third act is a very quiet, <laughs> somber, um, pretty sad uh, uh, par- portion of the movie, and it doesn't leave you feeling like uh, happy necessarily, but it does leave you feeling moved and understand like time passes and like there are going to be people in your life that make a difference that you remember for decades um and sometimes there will be people that you didn't even realize made an impact on you that when looking back you realize uh, how important they were i find yeah so i find the whole movie beautiful i think i particularly like the second and third act more um but i love the first act uh and i and I am happy to to dive in. So the first act, I think, is technically about an hour. Uh, but you have to take out the world's longest intro credits. So oh it's my probably God. only like 45 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. I was going to say, real quick. It's before like we get 67% into the... of the runtime. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into the actual like content of the film, like we all watch this on HBO, some version of HBO. Um so, like, maybe this is just an HBO thing, and, like, if any of us owned, like, the DVD or Blu-ray, like, maybe it wouldn't be there. But, like, real fucking power move to have this movie start with just, like, the list of awards that this movie had won. Forever. <laughs> like, Forever. Damn. <laughs> like and it wasn't just, like, like, most movies would be, like, and I understand this is Italian, so it's a totally different ballgame, but, like, most movies in America would just say, like, we won an Academy Award, and you'd be like, oh, it won the best one. Okay, we'll move on. Mm-hmm. But, like, this this one was like, no, here's literally every single award we won in the entire world, and here's all the people that we won, like, that won awards for this movie. Before and it's just you like, even see the movie. Right, yeah, they're just, like, just amping you up. Like, this is how fucking big of a deal this thing that you're about to watch is, so, like, pay attention. It's like, <laughs> and if, damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it felt pretty earnest, uh, where it was just like, hey, we're just going to show you a scroll of yeah. all the festivals we were in. Um, whereas, like, if a similarly uh, critically acclaimed movie like Nashville, let's say, um, were to oh. have done that, I would have been furious. God, can you I imagine that runtime? So angry. Oh. <laughs> it's it's already too long. Just it's awful. already yeah. so, so much longer than it needs to be. And they tack that shit on at the beginning. <laughs> Uh, this might be a good yeah. segue. So, Nashville's cast of 24 main characters, they were all bit characters. Some of the bits landed. Here, all of the bit characters' bits land every single I, yeah. time. Where you're I like, was, where's the Piazza guy? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I really appreciated... Like, I'm glad we watched Nashville. As I mentioned on that episode, like, I am not mad that we watched that episode. I think that there's Colin value to... Colin was so to... mad after we stopped taping. He just yeah, after, the screamed after the mic's yeah, cut off. Yeah, <laughs> um, But I, I did... I'm glad that we had seen it when I watched this. Because, like you said, there's a lot of stuff in this that reminded me of Nashville. There's a lot of just, like... Like, chaos happening. Like, especially the sequences inside the theater... Where like ostensibly people are watching the movie, but really there's all or having other, sex or just like straight up having sex or just like yeah, or like a, a whole row, row of like teenage kids so masturbating like just and like 
uh, Toto and his little friend who had been just completely abused by that teacher earlier, just like sharing a cigarette and enjoying the movie. And I was like, <laughs> so there's just like so much crazy shit happening, but like the fact that none of those characters are like set up as quote unquote major characters, like you know throughout the entire movie that like Toto is our is our rock here, and we're kind of everything is just kind of like around him uh it just made that so much more bearable than like in nashville where it was just like who do i care about why why am i paying attention to any of this stuff there's nothing to ground me in this whereas uh cinema paradiso was like oh i have this little kid and everything that's happening around him and outside of that little kid i have this movie theater so it's like here are our two main characters and we can kind of base everything else around what's happening between those two and I really, I thought me, that was really great. It reminded me a lot of the 400 Blows. I yes, also thought, I of, thought that. of that too. <laughs> That's probably why I loved Especially the first act so much. Yeah, Toto is the same, uh, like, little troublemaker. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I but love it's that so, movie. But he's so clever and so funny, and uh, all of his little smiles of, like, mischievous, like, he, 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 oh, like, he's when so he adorable. fakes getting hurt. So that he could ride back on the bike. <laughs> and, like, Alfredo is, like, uh, like obviously this kid's putting the priest on. But, like, I'll give him a, I'll give him a ride. I'll, like, uh, and I, yeah, we'll talk about the very end of the movie uh, later. But, like, uh, that kind of acknowledgement between uh, Alfredo and Toto is, like, the backbone of this movie. Yeah. It's, like, every emotional <clears throat> gut punch that comes is because of that uh, just, like, very tender mentor-student father-son relationship between Toto and Alfredo, which I just love so much. And they created it so beautifully. Like, it's not heavy-handed. Yeah. It's not like you're fighting your way through it to try and pick up clues. It's, like, very gracefully done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love specifically wrote down... Yeah, I wrote down the night school test as something that I wanted to talk about um, because that I think was the first time when I first watched the movie that I was like, oh, oh, this is like, this is, I think, going to make me cry. Uh, <laughs> because, like, uh, knowing that this town, um, some people are illiterate. Some people don't have a lot of education. That's just how it was in that era. Um, and to see early on, Toto is into helping uh, other students like cheat quote unquote or like willing to help them on tests or with questions and having the payoff be that alfredo himself needs toto's help um and like it's just heartbreaking the amount of like shame you can read on alfredo as he's like walking in to take this test um and oh, and then that so tracks horrible. throughout the whole movie of yeah <laughs> of him just being like don't like like stick with your education make something of yourself um and this like shame alfredo's shame in himself of not being like to himself smart enough or like have done anything he like describes being the projectionist as being like a slave to the projectionist of the projection projector got uh, it in the fact that like he can't leave that room and so there's so much like uh hope that alfredo has in toto and to see that Toto also brings that out in him and, like, and helps him and makes his life better is 
just beautiful because it's a little boy who like doesn't realize the impact he's having on this older man um and alfredo not realizing the impact that he's had on toto it's... but that night school see that night school test was like oh, oh. <laughs> it's so so heartbreaking and he just like catches the paper uh and is like happy that they like got away with cheating <laughs> on this test i also the for me the first like scene where it pulled at the hearts well i guess just immediately i loved them but then the one where uh toto's film catches fire and it like mm-hmm. almost kills his sister and alfredo sees and is like kind of like takes the fall for it i was like oh yeah. and i think that's also after <laughs> i know alfredo. i think that's also after the 50 lira um yeah when oh yeah yeah he doesn't buy the milk and then sweet alfredo is like oh no see you found it picking up here's the 50 lira it's just every little shared wink of like we've got like we've got each other we'll take care of each other is like so beautiful and so tender and yeah the guy who plays alfredo is just a phenomenal actor like there's so many little things that he does that are like uh incredible moments of tenderness and and power yeah i will say the i agree with the emotional impact of that test sequence but as somebody who (laughs) used to teach i was like those teachers were clearly not even trying to stop the cheating. Like it was no, so not so blatantly obvious <laughs> what was happening. And so the whole time I was just kind of like, I mean, like, yeah, this is very sweet and this is very <laughs> moving, but also like impossible. There's no fucking way this would have happened. <laughs> I also thought it was really funny um, because they all had to uh, write with like, like, uh, quills basically yeah uh yeah and so like you just saw like all the ink on their fingers and like every time they were gonna touch their face which like normally in you know these times i'm like don't touch your face but like this time i was like i wonder if they're gonna start like rubbing ink all like like i i appreciated that there was a, a decent amount of comedy in that really like powerful moment as well which i think helped um mm-hmm. I think it helped really like drive that whole sequence home because if it all would have just been like really rough like oh this is so sad and this you know like I think that would have been a little bit more in like a little bit more difficult uh to process but I think the fact that there was some levity in that moment really helped like sell the whole sequence well humor is the ultimate bonding tool in my opinion yeah there Uh, you go also it'll come as no surprise to you guys that I have a pen like that. Of course you do. And it is what I write with. <laughs> oh! I will, what I used to do, quick side note, what I used to do is buy refills for the G2 pens because I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's less plastic than buying a new pen. Right. Uh, but I left all of those in my desk at work and haven't had refills for pens. So I was like, I'm going to buy a fountain pen and then just use those refills. So Very I did nice. that. Did you get a Lamy? I did. I have a Lamy. They're the best I ones. I have two Lamy's. They're so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Lamy, the best pen you can have. No free ads. <laughs> no free ads. That's true. Sponsor us or get out. Get the fuck out. <laughs> they are so nice. And um, very light. 
Anyway. Yeah. That, I, I did Libby. note that, like, Pens uh, on Amazon. that little inkwell. <laughs> what? Okay. I was just doing a commercial. Um, uh, because you brought it up already, uh, the, like, setup of flammable film, um, they kept hinting that, like, this is dangerous, this is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to have that be, like, a major sequence of the movie, um, or part of a major sequence, um, was, like, there were so many moments like that where there were, like, hints at things that then would later be major parts of the story um and then for like the end of that idea of like flame being flammable being that they developed a film that wasn't and alfredo's like progress always comes too late and it's so sad but it's also like a pretty good joke (laughs) that he's like huh (laughs) like cool to know now that's like a little too late for me that Um, sequence was heartbreaking but also um it was fun watching so like the way that shot is framed he's like holding the film strip in one hand and he's got like a lit match in the other and you can just kind of see in the background the one guy's like hold up don't do that <laughs> it's like, like like the fact that you could see that guy like freaking out about it even though we with like the historical context that we have know that everything's gonna be fine like that was really yeah. funny and then you get that like gut punch of like oh fuck like if this you know if only a few years ago this would have happened um you know alfredo would still be able to see um like that was i i really liked that a lot um yeah uh also just like an overall general note for the whole movie what gorgeous cinematography and camera work in this film yes like colin early on uh asked a question that i also asked when i first started watching this was like is the aspect ratio correct uh because part of the title sequence was cut off like part of the title of cinema paradiso was cut off the screen um but throughout the movie it like proves that that is the aspect ratio because things are framed so beautifully mm-hmm. um and i'm just thinking of one shot that like moves through um like a brightly lit alleyway and you're just getting closer and closer to this church that's wedged between the sides of the walls uh it's just like little moments like that that make this town so beautiful and vivid and such an exciting place to be for two hours um that it also kind of makes you question when they're like get out of here there's nothing that happens here you're like no stay this place is beautiful yeah i have (laughs) to say watching this movie i have never hated my smartphone more in my life and i was like i want to go back to this time where like everything was community based and have like a community mm-hmm. of real people. I mean obviously like it's not really possible anymore. But I just <laughs> like the way that the town is laid out and you have the yes. the square where everyone gathers and like it just ha- like everyone kind of knows each other which is just a positive and a negative. But I was just like, "Oh, this is like such like a su- it's such a community that you I feel like doesn't really exist at that same level maybe just in chicago <laughs> no but no, I think or the, the u.s watching experience when we get to watch them in the theater together and everyone's like commenting and joking and like uh it's that like one a big other family. theater yeah that one other theater that's waiting for the film reel to come and everyone's <laughs> standing around and they're like ah, what's going on give us our money back like that energy doesn't happen in movie theaters anymore mm-hmm. uh like before or after quarantine times but like it's like, movie theaters are such like a 
you go there with friends or you go alone and you all sit and watch and leave. Um, and to see like a different culture around a movie theater um, was so exciting to be like, oh, I want to watch a movie like that. Like, I want to like, ah, and cry together and like talk about the movie at the end when everyone's surging out of the doors and being like, oh, I don't know if that made sense to me. It was definitely, I, I was like, these are the people that I want to watch movies with. They're having commentary <laughs> about it. They're reacting audibly to it. And I can guarantee they are the last people that Colin would want to watch a movie with. <laughs> I was, I was, it should surprise no one that the sequence where the like they're showing the movie and everybody is in tears, like, and, you know, it just, like, goes around and just shows everybody weeping at this sequence. And then it cuts to that guy who is saying the dialogue before the movie says the dialogue. And I was like, fuck that guy. I'd be so fucking furious if I was in a movie uh, with that. Oh, but Colin, it's part of a community. I put that, <laughs> yeah, I put that as a note specifically because I found it... Uh, Yes, in reality, would it be annoying if the person behind you was constantly saying lines moments before he came <laughs> on the screen? Yes. But in the uh, in the purpose of the movie, it so perfectly punctuates the impact that films have on us. And we've all and like now that experience is done at home where like uh, I I watched Call Me by Your Name the other day, which I'll also Ooh, I uh, mention that I, after watching this. Oh, I know. Yeah, I watched square call sequence me... where like anytime they show the square uh-huh. in Cinema Paradiso, I just so think excited. of <laughs> Yeah. I think of like the the fountain in the middle of the square in whatever town they're in and call me by your name. And I was just like Palermo. Yeah, it, Italy's, um, which Italy's is where dope, you guys. <laughs> yeah, Elena moves. Um but I watched last week I watched Call Me by Your Name and then immediately after, genuinely without thinking of it, I watched Nine with Daniel Day Lewis, also set in Rome. And so then I followed it up with this movie, and so I've seen three movies set in Italy, and all when are I want to do is live in Italy. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> totally. Because, uh, like, even the shot of, like, the, um, uh, what is, I think it's called the Altar of Our Fatherhood or something like that, that, like, giant white uh, layer cake looking Italian building that's in Cinema Paradiso. Uh, when you see at the beginning, he's driving home. It's just this, like, huge white column oh, yeah. uh, building that's, like, pretty famous in rome uh the forum and it no it's like the a ancient newer forum? building that was built no are you, it's where are you talking it's... about the coliseum are we talking about basilica no. yulia <laughs> okay i'm gonna look up the exact name where i think it's called the altar cows? tour <laughs> altar of the fatherland god i yes it's called the victor emmanuel is this right Yes, Victor Emmanuel II Monument, uh, the Altar of the Fatherland. It's like that enormous, it looks like a like a Washington, D.C. building, but it's like at the end of this uh, road, and you see Salvatore in modern day uh, driving away from it. Anyway, this is a long uh, way to set up, just like that made me miss Rome, uh, and also just like... Uh, watching nine where that's also in it like all of rome is there uh, so i had a real like little mini italian film festival around this movie uh where did this call where would i st- why did i bring this up i did uh, think it, it was funny listening so i don't speak italian but i took latin for many years and i took spanish for mm-hmm. probably twice as long and 
like you can piece together a lot of what they're saying and it literally sounds like they're speaking spanish and latin in an italian accent it's like how it sounds to my ears which is funny because when i was in rome my friends got lost and i got us back to where we needed to go by speaking latin in an italian accent (laughs) yeah i was (laughs) i was gonna say (laughs) cab driver uh that's from they're like what an interesting dialect that was like 10 years ago (laughs) uh very similar story when i was in rome uh 10 years ago oh god yikes uh when i was in rome 10 years ago we also got lost and our friend who uh was like he had taken several years i don't think he ended up being a spanish major but he had like enough credits that he could have or something but anyway he was the one who got us out by just like speaking spanish to the italians that we were like trying to help like trying to figure out where we were going and he was just like okay we need to go this way and i was just watching that whole thing like oh boy thank god you're here because i don't know what i would do without you (laughs) it's one of those things where i'm like it's so weird like it could have gone so wrong. Yeah. I mean, let me also say that I was drunk when I did this. Of course. That wasn't clear. <laughs> like, I wouldn't just assume that they can speak Latin. But I was like, this will do it. But, like, that could have gone so wrong if they were like, are you imitating me? Yeah, right. Like, um, yeah. I also, I, uh, quick last story I'll say about uh, being in, in Italy uh, was... Of the countries that I had been to, uh, the musicality of Italian was so lovely mm-hmm. on my ears mm-hmm. that I was like, no, I think this might be my favorite like European language. Because it was, everyone sounded like they were both yelling at each other <laughs> and also madly in love with each other. And it was so <laughs> lovely because there was so much emotion in it. Um, and every time I thought somebody was mad, they would like hug afterward in, in actual Rome. And I would be like, oh, it's all okay. Everyone's just like uh, like family here. Um, it's and that was wilting. like, Yeah. And it just has so much like bounce and uh, mm-hmm. drama to it. Whereas like when I was in France, I was like, and maybe this is going to upset some French listeners. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, but it was such a monotone language that I was on the subway at one point and it just sounded like, but it was everyone speaking in french and i was like i took french and i don't think i was like properly exposed to how it sounds in a group setting and it just all sounds like the same voice whereas italian it's just lovely to listen to so like in addition to being a lovely movie i just loved listening to italian for two hours me too um but related to language uh this movie is also like classic Italian cinema in that the ADR is awful. So, <laughs> so bad. The ADR and the audio recording is like just typically terrible for Italian films from this era. It's like not synced up at all. There's like two different sequences of the movie that are just clearly shot on different film or I did notice didn't that. Age. I was like, yeah. why is it so grainy? Oh. Ter- it's just like, oh. But, like, that plus the ADR where you're like, your mouth isn't moving. Why are words coming out? Yeah. I found very charming, but also just, like, of course. Like, this is how Italian movies are from that, like, 70s, 80s era. It was just like, we'll record it all in post. And you're like, maybe record some, <laughs> some on the field. I, I had the same thought because 
that happened fairly quickly. So the first shot of the movie, of like the actual movie, is the title that gets cut off. And so I texted Matt, and I was like, is this supposed to be 4-3? Like, I feel like something's wrong here. And then very shortly afterwards, there's, like, the conversation between uh, the mom and the sister, and, like, there's some questionable ADR work. It's not as bad as it gets mm-hmm. later in the movie, but there's some, like, questionable ADR work, and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, like HBO just got, like, the worst possible version of this film to put up there for us. Um but yeah, like as you watch, like there were several times where I was like, yes, I don't speak Italian, but I do recognize when voices are happening and mouths aren't moving. So like, yeah. it would be it would be much more infuriating if it was English and it wasn't good ADR. I think I wouldn't be able to handle it. Yeah. With this, you're like, I don't really know how a mouth moves when you say uh, that sentence. Right. And so I'll just imagine that it was synced up and I'll pretend like I didn't notice that it wasn't. Well, and so another thing, I thought that this movie was older than it is. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. that might just be because of the setting of this movie. But, like, for some reason, I always thought that this movie was, like, significantly older than late 80s. Um, It feels like the 60s. Right. It feels very much of the 60s. How poignant that it is the same age as me and you just automatically assume (laughs) that it's older than it is. Yes. I don't know. Have we described in detail on this podcast how Tyranny was raised like uh, someone who lived in the great fields of Kansas on a farm with her family? (laughs) churning butter and okay that's a bit much i was fine fine she she was not that old she was raised like she she was raised in the 90s as if she were being raised in the 40s only because there are so many (laughs) children on my block right but no i will say and you i i did think of you identify with tona i was I, i did think of tierney so like uh peek behind the curtain she started watching this uh, earlier this week and texted us that she loved it and so i had that in mind when i was watching it and like the whole beginning of the movie where little toto's running around doing obnoxious shit and just like you know living in the 40s i was like of course tierney loves this movie right <laughs> she's just watching totally. a documentary of her life <laughs> All I imagined was Tierney just going, at every little, like, mischievous thing that Toto did. It was just Tierney going, Not inaccurate. <laughs> um, oh. But I will say, so, kind of going back to what I was trying to say earlier before I was so rudely interrupted. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> just kidding. Okay. Uh, a lot of this movie feels older than it is. Um, and I think, so I, so like when you're watching him, like in the second act where he's like a teenager, he's like crossing off the days that he's been standing outside that girl's, uh, house and it's, it's 1954. So like the first act of the movie would be sometime in the forties. And so like, as I'm watching them watch these movies, I'm trying to like figure out like what movies are they watching? And I think part of the thing so like in real life if somebody were sitting behind me and it was the first time i'm seeing a movie and they're quoting the movie before the movie i would be furious but i think a lot of the movies and i don't know enough about italian cinema or like that period of cinema in general but the vibe that i got was that a lot of these movies 
were not current movies. They were older movies that this theater just was playing and there wasn't really much else to do in the town. So like, that's what people did. They would just go and rewatch these movies over and over and over and over. So in that regard, I would have been more okay with somebody quoting it because a, it wasn't the first time I'd seen it and B like, that was just kind of like, you know, how people were reacting. And, and, like we do the same mm-hmm. things when we see movies that we love or Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Or I was thinking, Matt, when you and I went to uh, the music box for the first time I ever saw The Room at Midnight, and I was like, oh, this is just that. <laughs> but like, Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> yeah, just weeping. We're all just weeping in the music box going, what, do you have a secret? How is your sex life? <laughs> yeah, the emotional uh, reactions to the room are very similar to Cinema Paradiso. Um, I would say. But no, I, I like so I think a lot of this movie is kind of grounded in that like appreciation of the past. Um and I think that obviously like that that is what this movie is considering the the whole framing device is a flashback, but um like everything about this movie kind of feeds into that. Um and I think it's it's really sweet. And as somebody who like loves cinema and loves going to the theater and really misses not being able to go to the theater. Like, watching mm-hmm. a love letter to that was really, really beautiful. And, like, definitely what I needed at this time in in my life. <laughs> yeah. The age transition of young Toto to teenage Toto is so... Uh, it's handled so lovely as well. Like, the Alfredo's hand on his face, and then the next time you see him, he's older. Uh and that's a, that's another moment that like it, it changes where we are and what we're gonna do in this act, and it's so like oh, he's a teenager now. Like all these years have happened, and he's still a projectionist. Um, and I find and I think the love story is uh, pretty lovely uh, mm-hmm. between him and Elena. And I wrote down uh, some stuff that I found very funny is when he's talking to her. What one when they fight over who gets to return the thing that she dropped yeah. to her. And he, like, like, slightly punches the other guy in the head to keep him down so he can get the thing to return to Elena. Uh, that was very cute. But also later when he goes out and he's like, uh, what a nice day it is. And the wind is, like, howling through the town square. And she's like, yeah, it's a really nice day. Also, real quick, was you, so funny. you forgot when the guy catches up to him in the bathroom... <laughs> And then, and then, or like wherever he caught up to her, and then the next scene, you just see him loading a film reel with a black eye. <laughs> it's like, yeah, nice, <laughs> so funny. Also, I loved the line, "Excuse me, I have to go by." Yeah, <laughs> which is like, I guess that's one way to like leave a conversation with a suitor would be to say, "Excuse my, me, I have to go by." I think my favorite part of the second act is on new year's the tradition of throwing garbage out the windows (laughs) yeah so funny and also just so amazing to watch that shot of the alley Mm -hmm. of him walking through the alley really sullen and down and just sad and all the plates just like flying out of windows (laughs) and shattering around him as fireworks explode at the end of the block was so fun and just a gorgeous shot Mm -hmm. like lit perfectly and so strange. You're like, what is this tradition of just, like, literally throwing plates and shattering across the street? I also thought it was really sweet that, like, 
like where did he go like where was his happy place after his heart was just broken and it's like he went to the projectionist booth and i was like oh mm-hmm. like this little kid is me i mean i've never actually worked <laughs> in a projectionist booth but every time i get to go hang out in the one at my theater it's fucking dope and i always lose my mind so like, i was like i get it kid <laughs> yeah um also the confessional scene uh incredible scene uh of Alfredo helping him by talking to the priest and being like, uh, I've got doubts. And the priest being like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I have to give you all my attention. <laughs> yeah. And giving him that time to be in the confessional. And then the old lady that comes and is like, oh, forgive me, father. And he's like, do 10 Hail Marys. You're absolved. Goodbye. <laughs> so good. I just love that scene. And it's so romantic. Uh, and so, so perfectly Italian and Catholic to like, uh, add to romance in a confessional booth and be like oh i'll come outside your window and i'll wait for you and i just loved it so much um i will say which also yeah uh as somebody who has never once ever even thought about doing a confession uh the setup that they had there was a little weird (laughs) it's like the priest is the one in the box and everybody else is just like out in the open and good luck yeah that was strange (laughs) That's that's Italian uh, confessionals. The one at, like I I went to a confessional at the Vatican and there was just a line and you would wait to go to one of the sides and the priest was in the box and he'd have a little light on to be like I'm in the doctor's, <laughs> the doctor's in. in. <laughs> uh, but and you, then you also just speak go in a thing. box. Not necessarily. Uh, sometimes it is just a kneeler. I think older churches and probably a lot of Italian churches just have it set up like that. Probably. Oh. Um, because it's, uh, I really, I guess I don't know. I think probably it's it's like a weird version of like, you gotta be honest, but also you're exposed to everyone. So like, that's part of the of the forgiveness process is to like, say all your sins and maybe people over here, but it's not supposed to be like, you're allowed to have the secrecy of a box, even though nothing comes out of a confessional. In any case, I was, uh, I was not surprised by that being the setup of a confessional at my high school sometimes it was just two fucking folding chairs and you just sit in the middle of the gym (gasps) and you would talk to the priest and everyone was at little stations in different areas of the gym uh you just make do with the with what you've got i guess uh when you need a lot of confessions happening at once catholic school's weird (laughs) y'all catholicism's weird y'all yeah agreed uh also for that for the uh standing outside of the window uh and watching and waiting for her to fall in love a mm-hmm. uh, quick personal story oh boy uh my parents grew up across the street from each other uh in the south side of chicago and uh they were very makeup breakup so they broke up a lot to the point where people stopped caring when they did they were just like okay whatever <laughs> Um, but for the longest period of time, I think it was like maybe a year, uh, they weren't dating. And because my dad lived across the street and wanted to be with my mom, he would sit on the front porch and just cry <laughs> and smoke <laughs> and cry. Aww. And my mom's family would be like, Lila, you have to talk to him. This is so <laughs> depressing to look outside every day and just see this guy weeping and smoking and watching for you. Why won't you talk to him? And then finally she was like, okay. And went across the street and was like, we can get back together, 
but you have to quit smoking now. And he was like, fine. And he quit cold turkey. So a romance like this, where it's just like, until you're ready, I'm just going to like be here for you. I found very, uh, I could relate to that as well. I could identify with so much of this movie. Your parents are so adorable. They really are. <laughs> they are. They are. They're the cutest people. Um, and, and yeah, and it's moments like that where I'm like, oh, just make a movie about your, your romance slash all the makeup breakups that you had, which were men. Sounds like you should write it, Matt. I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry we offended you. <laughs> How dare you? Um, should we go on to the last act? I, I, well, I only have a few more things oh. that I want to point out. Okay. Uh, like and actually, one or... of them might be in the award section. What? You only have a few more things that you want to point out, period, or a few more things from the second act? Oh, oh, we were going to go to the third act. Oh, I'm perfectly fine with going to the third oh. act. I thought we were going to the other sections of the podcast. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm still... I only I only have really stuff. Uh, I think the army bit was weird. I think it felt super uh, out of left field, and I think it was necessary in order to show like what Italian life for a boy of that time was, and to have him leave the town once and then come back and see that it's changed. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the thematic uh, impact of it was good, but it's a weird sequence of, like, you cut hard to, like, this, like, military music and him, like, yelling on a phone, and then he's back. It's, like, two quick things, and it just feels, felt super out of place. Um, so that's the only real thing I have left in the second act, was just that army bit was weird. I concur. Yeah. Uh, I will say it. There were several things in this movie that kind of reminded me of Roma, um, mm -hmm. but that was one of them. Where there was like that whole weird, so it, like there's a sequence where they like go see the movie together in Roma, which is like very sweet and beautiful. But then there was also that like weird like they're all like there's just a bunch of dudes lined up doing like weird army shit. And I was oh like, yeah, mm -hmm. which also felt out of place in Roma. <laughs> so I was like, oh really? I mean. Not like the not nearly as out of place as this did, but I it just like it felt. I didn't think that that part was like I don't. It just it felt a little off, not like in a bad part. way. But I think, like, I think Roma has so much of like uh, the revolution as the background sure. and like the un, the political unrest at the time. This mentions the army in relation to World War Two uh, and to other military figures. His father was in the army. But, yeah, it didn't feel like it was quite set up enough for that to be, like, a, a, a quick plot point. <laughs> to be like, and then he goes to the army, and then he's back, and it's fine, and he didn't really do anything. Yeah. Um, so I agree with that. But, uh, yeah, let's go on to the third act, because uh, I think there's some really good stuff uh, to talk about in the third act. The only thing I have in the third act is that I liked the subtle nod that he's a director of his own. Mm -hmm. That's my only note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the all in all of the third act. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was okay. Like, I, I will say, with it. Uh, I okay. It was, I think I felt emotional, but that was like the thing that I was like, I definitely want to say this. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like the like the fact that um, Alfredo's parting words to him were like, "Whatever you do, love it." And then he, like, 
does the thing that he's loved his in, literally his entire life. I was like, that's very sweet that that's like, that's the arc of that character. Like once he finally is able to like move on from his hometown, like the progression of like, yeah, I used to sit in a projection booth and I used to like watch this guy do it. And then I learned how to do it. And then I just did it myself. Um, I thought it was like a really like beautiful arc for him. I will say the like the like romantic subplot of his adult life was I I it didn't really work for me. Like I thought the the stuff where he like the whole romance plot of the second act makes sense. Like I get that, but the fact that he has never been able to like move on from that whereas he was able to move on from everything else, uh I I didn't really buy that. Ooh, let's talk quickly, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get to this in a moment, um, but let's talk about the director's cut in a moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pray tell. Which really uh, puts a stick of dynamite in how uh, this third act is handled. But I will say, uh, one of the things I loved, and it's the first time I think I typically cry in this movie, um, is when he's leaving on the train after Alfredo has said, like, never come back here, don't look back. Um and he's like waving to everyone and the priest arrives and he's like oh i'm too late oh i missed him uh and it's the first time you realize like this priest does care about toto and like this whole time wanted what was best for him uh and then later for during the funeral procession the small really subtle acknowledgement that that priest is long gone Mm -hmm. um was very sweet uh just like he's looking at uh, all the people in the town that are at Alfredo's funeral and looks ahead to realize that the priest is a different priest. Uh, I was, definitely I just, missed that. <laughs> it's so subtle. Cause yeah. it's just, it's just a cut between him looking at the people that are around him and acknowledging like, Oh, this is, there's some people that I still know from this town. And then there's a, it's just so subtle, but you can tell that he thinks like, Oh, and that's not, that's not the priest. Like he's gone too. Uh, and I found that very, very sad, uh, but also very moving. Um, so, director's <laughs> cut of this movie, which is available on HBO Max. It looks like a special feature, but it is a 27-minute longer movie. Those 27 minutes are only in the third act and involve him meeting Elena again. Oh. It is not good. So he... Uh, is at the funeral and uh, later while he's still in town has dinner with his sister and her kids and his mom and the mom is like, Oh, people keep calling from Rome asking when you're going to come back. And so there's a feeling of like, Oh, he's got a life that he has to go back to in Rome. And then he sees this young teenage girl who looks just like Elena and then follows her (laughs) on her scooter and then finds out that it's Elena's daughter and then like calls elena to be like hey what's up i'm in town and she's like who is this and he's like it's salvatore davida and she's like oh that was so long ago that's all that i made it through watching the director's cut but i read what happens and apparently they sleep together and then she's like i'm married i can't do this we can't do this that's a totally different movie okay fine yeah totally different movie i don't and then oh get ready because it gets worse <laughs> oh, no you find out that she was told by alfredo never to contact 
Salvatore again and to not look him up and to move on because he needed to be, he needed to cut all ties and move on and be successful in his life. And so in this director's cut, Alfredo is basically set up as the person who didn't allow Salvatore to like be with the love of his life because he specifically was like, don't contact him. Don't let him know where you are. Don't come back to this town, which is crazy, but also hinted at when his wife is like his uh, towards the end. He just kept saying, he must never know. He must never know. And you're like, must never know what? And it's that apparently is that he kept them from being together, which is awful. It's a terrible thing. And this ending is so much better yeah, with it cut out. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I will say terrible. So like I said, I like the the romantic subplot didn't work for me, but that would have worked even worse for me. So like. uh-huh. <laughs> it's it should be just the sweet uh moment in time of his adolescence Absolutely. that he got this like intense romance. Um and that that has left him now just kind of like moving through his life not really sticking with one woman um like the mother says where she's like every time i call it's a different woman and like i just want you to be with somebody who actually loves you and that's so much more powerful than this weird subplot of following a teenage girl and finding out that it's your old love's daughter who now lives in the town awful in any case the actual ending uh is beautiful also second act that kiss in the lightning yes. uh is one of the all-time best cinema moments and it happens during a showing of ulysses or whatever that movie is but it's the odyssey yeah which is a story about a mm-hmm. man in the mediterranean who gets who leaves home and then comes back and realizes that things have changed so how appropriate that that is uh subtly in the backdrop and then spider-man a, stole it and ruined it for all of us Odyssey, the Odyssey? No, the, the kiss, kiss in the rain. In the rain. Oh. <laughs> oh, sure, 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 sure. It did take yeah, me this a one was... second to figure that out, too. And I was like, what the fuck is she talking about? <laughs> this one's more romantic. I agree. Um, I will say the... But the Toby uh, not in it. The Seth... <laughs> God. <laughs> the Seth and Summer Spider-Man reenacting <laughs> kiss from the second season of the OC is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, I thought the third act was very powerful. And then, boy, what a way to end this movie is with the kiss montage and realizing yep. that the gift that Fredo left him was the film that he said was his when he said, you can have all of it, but I get to keep it. And this whole time he had edited together as a gift to Toto. Yeah. And just sobbing, just weeping uncontrollably watching <laughs> that uh watching adult salvatore see and be astounded that like you did keep these and you did have a purpose for why you had all of them around and you just wanted to celebrate love in film i yeah i i i did like the movie a lot um i never cried but like i came very close because i as soon as he like gives the reel to the guy and was like, yeah, just play it. And he sits down. I was like, Oh, I know what this is. Like, this is absolutely, this is just going to be the, like the montage of all the cut, like kissing, like romantic scenes that the priest had a problem with. 
which also like very funny <laughs> when they like they reopen the theater and the first movie has like a scene where there's two actors kissing and he's like i will not watch pornography <laughs> and he storms out i was like everyone in the theater is like they've kissed because oh, <laughs> all of them have been waiting so long and get so riled whenever it's cut it's so funny i laughed out loud last night watching that i'm just um, thinking anyway. now oh sorry go ahead colin yeah i was just like that like even though i knew what was coming it still like profoundly was like oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy <laughs> so i i did i really love the way that it ended tis good are we gonna see um i was just gonna say that thinking about it now i almost wish that we went from the first act to a longer third act where we get to see more of his life because like I would love to see him making movies about Alfredo type characters mm-hmm. or even Elena that. type characters and having a shorter, even if it was just a really short act too, but just like having a bigger picture of who he is as an adult. Cause we have yeah, such a vivid picture fair. of who he is as a child that I think I was like, Oh, just thinking about it now. I'm like, I wish I knew more. I wish I knew more. Yeah, which is actually what Nine is. Uh, now, I, I, because I just recently watched Nine, it's basically showing eight and a half like scenes, uh, and then showing Fellini as an ad- Fellini, quote unquote. It's a different character, but uh, like a director as an adult who feels lost, and then looking back on his childhood and realizing like these are all the things that influenced my films and the people in my life. Um, and I think. I like this one better, but I also think that yours could work um, had it been edited that way. I will say, I think, like, it would have been interesting. I think it would have been nice to know a little. Like, I think the way they handle it, where it's just like, you he is a film director. Like, you get that, you understand that, but that's it. Um, I think is, like, a really good button to his story. But again, like, this is a coming-of-age story, and, like, I... I think it would have been interesting to see what his adult life looked like, but that's not really the point of coming of age stories, right? Like you, like we get to watch him on this journey as he becomes the person that he's going to be. We don't necessarily get to like see the person that he's going to be. So in that case, I actually prefer this to like your proposed version. (laughs) I, I think it would be interesting to see him as a director uh, because it is so, uh, it's such a background of just like, and he's a director, and he's famous enough that he lives in a nice place in Rome, and people are expecting him to work. Um, and that they like get news, and he was able to send money home for them to like redo the house. So there's a lot of like clues into his success, but very little is shown about his actual career or uh, the influence that his uh, history had on his art, which I think would be an interesting thing to see. Um, and maybe that's the story that you should write, Tierney. Um, the same way I'll write one about my parents, <laughs> you write one about a coming of age of a director. I already have. <gasps> oh. oh, wait, I read it, but it's a composer. No, I, I wrote one like, it's garbage. I haven't revisited it, but I wrote one in like 2014. That's that. Oh. But. Look at you. Like I said, need uh. some... Hebay rewrites. Bertations. <laughs> Bertations. <laughs> Send over your Bertations whenever you've got them. 
Uh, um, should we do tattoos? Yeah, let's do tattoos. I say the, a projector. I was gonna say a projector is like an mm-hmm. obvious choice. Um, the just like the logo of the Nuevo Cinema Paradiso, like it's just it's really beautiful and it's very like simple and very sweet. But um, I love just the way that like like that looks. Also, mm-hmm. unsurprising, but uh, that shot when like he's back and they're like doing the funeral walk. And they get to the square, and the camera just shows the theater. <laughs> that was heartbreaking to me. I was like, Brutal. so fucking upset about that. <laughs> and then like, and so this the demolition. I was say the demolition was rough, and like the fact that this was filmed in the eighties, and the guy who owned the theater was just like, yeah, people just don't come to movies anymore, and like the theater industry is dying. <laughs> I was like oh because like very clearly that's happening right now (laughs) i was like this is so sad i hate this um but yeah i think like just like the logo of the the nuevo cinema parody so it was really cute you could also have a a bowl of pasta but have the pasta noodles be film Film reels and then or yeah film strips and then instead of a, a meatball on top you have Alfredo's face, so it's pasta Alfredo. <laughs> Don't edit out the dead air after that joke. Please leave that. Okay, air. but you guys can't see how hard Matt was trying not to laugh. It's He was trying so hard. <laughs> It felt like a wave washing over me, like understanding, just like realizing all the setup for that joke and realizing what the payoff was and just having it kind of like hit me like a wave on a boogie board and like trying to get my bearings and being like, that was fun, but also it hurt real bad. Wasn't expecting it. Uh, Uh... My suggestion for a tattoo would be the lion's mouth that the projector comes out of. Because that's such a cool lion yeah. mouth. I also, Almost like, when as he's... good as Pasta Alfredo. <laughs> what an awful tattoo that would be. <laughs> How, what an awful tattoo. I don't even think that would be a good drawing. <laughs> like, like, I'm going to no. do it. it I'm going to draw that. It, it would look insane. I Please draw it and then put it in the images for this episode. Oh, God. It would look like nonsense. It would just be, like, too much happening in the bowl and then a man's head. <laughs> just an old, old blind man's head on top of the thing. Like, smiling, I guess. Haunting. I'm going to email myself right now so I do it, this, do it in, in the okay. next week or so. Oh my god. I'm excited to see this. Um, um when he was like walking around the the theater before it got demolished and he just saw that lion's head on the ground, my thought was like, you know, in the eighties they probably didn't have weight restrictions for luggage. So I like, was saying so I was like, thinking the same pick thing. Pick that shit up and bring it home with you, dude. <laughs> like, Beautiful decor decor. Yep. Hang that in your home. I should probably I get one for my projector. <laughs> just Oh, that's a cute idea. Just a giant fucking, like, ceramic lion's head with an open mouth. And I just, like, I don't know, somehow attach it to my ceiling without it dropping on me when I'm watching TV. <laughs> yeah, I think 
I think it makes sense. Oh. Uh, should we do awards? So the only award that it was nominated for <laughs> from the Oscars, we all saw how many awards it was nominated for <laughs> across <laughs> the world, uh, was uh, Best Foreign Language Film, which it won. Um, which, like, I'm good with that. I do think it's, you know, it's, it's harder to judge, you know, these, like, older th- movies where you don't have the context of, like, everything else that came out that year. Um, but I would say, like, cinematography we talked about already. Like, that this movie was beautiful. I don't know if it necessarily deserves to beat out any of the other ones that got nominated because I don't think I've seen any of those. But I'm pretty sure the Best Picture winner for 1989 was Driving Miss Daisy. That is correct, yes. And never seen it, but I feel like this might be better. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I also don't have a lot of context for driving Miss Daisy. I like that Tierney just drops the bomb and then slowly rolls her chair off screen. <laughs> uh, also, nominated, uh, nominated for Best Picture that year, Driving Miss Daisy, which won, Born on the Fourth of July, Dead Poets Society. Born Field on the Fourth of, of July was not good. I've never seen it. Uh, Field All of I Dreams and my, my Left Foot. Your boy. Everybody's boy, Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, I'm going to speak while you're thinking. <laughs> yes, I, uh, <laughs> I think the score uh, should have won. Ennio Morricone's score for this movie what yes i are you nuts colin i listen to the score when i want to like calm myself or feel emotion i will say i did think the score was good but i think there were parts of the score or parts of the film where i felt like the score didn't really fit with the like what was happening in the movie like the Especially in the third act, the score is, like, fairly light and upbeat, and I don't think that that's appropriate for the third act. It's very similar to, to, um, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, if you watch The West Wing now, like, either on DVD or probably on whatever streaming service. We're currently watching it. That that end credit song is so awful of The West Wing. Right, but that's, so, how much have you seen? Because I don't want to spoil... Uh, almost the first season, uh, some, a handful of episodes from the first season. Okay. So something extremely intense and dramatic happens at the end of the first season finale. And then the music cuts to that, like, upbeat, like, woo, yeah, the West Wing, like, end credits. And it's, like, super jarring. I thought that there were, like, a couple moments in the third act where the score did that to me, where I was like, this, like, it just doesn't feel, like as we've talked about the third act is like very somber and meditative. And I thought that there were a lot of parts of the score in the third act that I just like, they felt like the fun, like easygoing score from the first two acts, which I didn't necessarily think added up that well. It's a good score. Like it sounds like it is. I think it is a beautifully written score. Like it's nice music to listen to, but I just, I didn't think that it fit the movie super well throughout. I think the theme of the movie (laughs) Uh, the, like the, da, 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 it's da, the theme da, of the da, 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 cinema, mm-hmm. not of the movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, continue. Right, but then yeah, I just but then when I the cinema theme, dies and that theme still is playing and it's like ah, this but is it's so memory. great. It's nostalgia. It's remembering all the good times that were had in that building. Um, 
Yeah, I, 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 wor- I think it works like gangbusters, and I won't hear any negativity about that score. <laughs> it's one of the best scores in cinema history. Okay. Some hyperbole. Some hyperbole. Guys, I just went to look up the 1990 Oscars, and I was like, it was like, it's the second, thir- 62nd Oscars, and I was like, whoa, that was like 30 years ago. That's how old I am, guys. Yeah, I, was, I, was like, I don't know why this surprises me. We literally 30. started talking about how this is the same age as us. I know, but I just forgot. <laughs> oh goodness! Um, for uh, purposes of, I don't know what the nominees for best original score that year: Little Mermaid, which won. Born on the 4th of July, Fabulous Baker Boys, Field of Dreams, and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Ooh, Indiana Jones. Last Cinema Crusade is so good. Yeah. Did you guys know that Too bad it wasn't Cinema Paradiso Crusade. is directed by Guispi Tornatore? <laughs> <laughs> Every time his name popped up on screen, I giggled to myself. Guispi. <laughs> Oh goodness! Um, I mean, we should probably make sure that our listeners know we know it's pronounced Giuseppe. <laughs> it's Giuseppe. <laughs> Giuseppe. Because the nickname is uh, Pepe. But... Aw, like Salvatore's Toto. Mm-hmm. Oh. Italian names are so cute. They are. Um, would you? Guys I would want to love spend time to be on? on this set. My yeah, God. <laughs> yeah, one hundred and eight thousand percent. One hundred and a thousand. I would just sit both. in the sun eating gelato and watching everything go down. Yeah, I've just been like, what a wonderful film. Yeah. Like, and just sitting in the cinema Paradiso and watching movies with them and mm-hmm. being like, <laughs> literally, oh, Charlie Chaplin. Several, like, many occasions over the last year or so, when I've been working at the theater, whenever we get a thirty-five millimeter print of something the projectionist lets me go into the booth and like hang out with him while he's inspecting it. And it's the dopest fucking thing. Like I lose my shit every single time. So yeah, like I would go on the set and like, you guys can do whatever you want to do on the square, but like, I'll be up in that projection booth, just like chilling with all the film. At least that projection booth also has a window to the outside world. So like I can have best of both worlds there, you know? Yeah, that is true that they, he, they have a pretty dope setup in that projection booth compared to the one at my theater which like is fine and it's nice but it's like when we we had a 35 millimeter run of once upon a time in hollywood and we also had one of joker and uh my friend who works the projection booth was just like he basically lived in the projection booth for like three weeks (laughs) i was like no bueno (laughs) no bueno Uh, I would also want to be on the set because I find Teenage Salvatore very hot. (laughs) Very, very hot. He's definitely more attractive than he is at acting. Agreed. He's Uh, better looking than he... I didn't phrase that right. We knew what you meant. He looks better than his skills are at acting. Yeah, Yeah, but I don't think Matt's... <laughs> Matt doesn't give a shit about his skills and yeah. acting. You gotta remember, my number one crush is Hayden Christensen. So <laughs> maybe bad acting really... is a turn on for you. It doesn't necessarily. They don't have to be mutually. They can be mutually exclusive. I can be attracted to somebody and think their acting is not great, but I also don't think that this actor's uh, acting was that bad compared. It wasn't that bad to other. I thought Toto, Little actors. Toto was better. Oh, he was so cute. He's though. so yeah. cute. Um, and he's so little. 
<laughs> all his little winks and all of his little like. And watching him hey. run around. <laughs> yeah. I loved him. Oh. He was so little cute. Toto. Adorable. A little little BB Toto. Um. Bless his little heart. Yeah. Bless. Bless such a heart. Are we doing what we were up to this week? Sure. Yes. Um, I, on Friday night, I went over to my sister and brother-in-law's house, and we watched Trolls and Trolls World Tour, double feature, back-to-back. You guys, the first Trolls movie is actually pretty fun. <laughs> I, will, I will stand by that. It's very stupid, but it's, like, stupid in, like, a f- delightful and entertaining way. And the music is fun, and, uh, you know, the voice work is questionable. <laughs> and uh, Trolls World Tour is not good. <laughs> so that's that's how I spent my Friday night. Yep, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the reaction I expected. And honestly, it's, it's a-, a fair reaction. <laughs> It's good that you watched Trolls and then you watched a movie about, aren't movies great so that you could recontextualize <laughs> if you actually like Trolls or not? Or if you're bored and it was delightful and colorful enough uh, to be exciting. I will anyway, say... Anyway, fine. I, when Trolls. I watched Trolls the first time, it was at our apartment and I was only watching it because it was nominated for an Academy Award and I have a stupid mm. self-imposed rule where I watch every movie that was nominated for an Academy Award every year and T- Tierney came home from wherever she was. I remember she, this so vividly. <laughs> she walked in the door and looked over at me and was like, is this Trolls? <laughs> I was like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so ashamed. But if I you guys my remember, my follow-up question was why? And yeah, then it definitely why. was. And then I said, "Why wouldn't you just watch the end credits where the song is played?" <laughs> uh, I have these very stupid self-imposed rules, and you know, I am I am nothing if not a rule follower for those very stupid Fair. self-imposed rules and not a lot of other <laughs> stuff. But anyway. Um, I will say, if you guys remember, when I saw that one, I was like, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And after seeing it a second time, I agree with that assessment. It's not as bad as you think it's going to be. Fine. But don't watch Trolls World Tour. It's not good. It's, it's, Ugh. I wouldn't say it's as bad as you think it's going to be, but it's not good. So. I was at a grocery store in the middle of this pandemic with my mask on getting just what I needed and trying to get out of there. And there was a big display of Trolls World Tour merchandise that made me feel so ill. Did that, you see? Like, this is the apocalypse that we're <laughs> approaching. And this is what we get to see as one of the last movies that people watched in theaters or that, that attempted to come out and then was like, hey, we're actually going to make a lot of money video on demand. Uh, and just like, having my mask on and being stressed about being outside in a grocery store and just looking at all these like smiling troll rock star faces made me ill. I felt ill. Did you Honestly, buy the trolls uh, are like such an, they were always such an ugly toy. Like, are they going to make hideous. like a cabbage patch movie now? Like just, I think the right, yeah, they've been developed. I mean, <laughs> are you serious? I think it's somebody that's actually attached to it is like a fairly well-known name. Ugh. I, I don't know for sure, but I would not be surprised. Um, did you buy the uh, 
Trolls World Tour Oreos that were that had hot pink frosting? No, I did not. Oh, well. You probably should have. Anyway, <laughs> Matt, what were you up to this week? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got, uh, <laughs> let me... No, let you me. lost your chance after Trolls. <laughs> I will say I've also been watching The Great, um, oh. which is on Hulu, and I'm only four episodes in, uh, so I'm not quite ready to say that it's great yet, but it is pretty good. Um, it's also really interesting to watch because it's very, very similar to The Favorite. Uh, it's written by one of the guys who wrote The Favorite, um, and it's like a very similar style. Um, but it doesn't have the Yorgos flair, and it's like very nor Olivia Coleman, right? And it, yeah, so like it, but it's fun. Like with as much as we love the favorite, it's fun to watch the great and just be like, oh yeah, like this is really good and this is really fun. But damn, the favorite is so fucking good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I haven't really? just been making terrible media consumption choices. I have been consuming worthwhile content as well. But also Trolls um, World Tour. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know if I've done too much new stuff. I finished, we all finished Run. All of us watched yeah. all of Run. Yeah, um, yeah. all of us agreed. Uh, pretty, pretty lackluster ending. Yeah. Uh, I would watch some exciting- a whole series of Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Detective Babe Cloud. Babe Cloud. They yeah, had I also agree that felt a great storyline and it was so fun. Felt like a different TV show um that I also enjoyed. I did enjoy most of Run, uh at least just for the acting. I think Merritt Weaver was outstanding in just how natural and uh realistic her emotions and like delivery of lines are um for the circumstances. Yeah, did it build up to anything much? No, I don't think so. Uh, Do you think it'll go it for a second run? I don't know. I could see it <laughs> this being the only God thing. God damn it. <laughs> don't let don't her care. get away with that. <laughs> I, I'm just going to I'm gonna let her get away with it by not addressing it. By just disregarding it. Uh, I can't imagine that it would. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think... Like, HBO is not necessarily one to, like, care about viewership numbers. But... I don't think this show got enough, like, critical acclaim for them to... Because, like, it has very low viewership numbers. But Mm -hmm. HBO in the past has been willing to renew stuff with low numbers if it's critically acclaimed. And I don't... Outside of the acting, I don't think that this show has really gotten much. And especially the way it ended. Like, every critic that I follow that actually was watching this show was really disappointed by the end um so i i would be very surprised if it if they got renewed for a second season which is a bummer because like it started off so strong like the first couple episodes were really good and then Mm -hmm. it just was like diminishing returns after that yeah um and then besides that i'm i'm very close to being done with infinite jest uh and this will be the last time i bring it up because i think it'll be done before the next time we record, even, uh, which is exciting to me, because uh, I don't read, and so this has been a very exciting uh, period of time for me to realize that I am literate, and <laughs> I can finish a book in an amount of time if I stick to it. Um, and so that's 
basically all I've been doing. I'm trying to think if I... Yeah, I watched Call Me By Your Name and Her and uh, Nine. So I'm just, like, re-watching some stuff that I've liked, and I'm watching some stuff that I haven't seen yet if it took place in Italy. <laughs> Exclusively Italian films, or <laughs> set <Yeah>. in Italy. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. Uh, That's all. So I finished watching Giri Haji this week. Uh, great show. Highly recommend. Uh, stuck the landing. Stuck the landing. Very well. Like the like production value on it was really good. A uh, lot of really good character arcs. Is it a uh, miniseries? Like, is it is it cl- like is it a close ended story or like? At the moment, it, it is. Like, like it could go on, but it doesn't necessarily need to. Yeah, I think that's kind okay. of like how most uh, British TV shows are. They're just like, this is it, and then it's like sometimes they're like, we want more. Right. And then, like, they're like, okay, we'll see what we can do. Um, yeah. <laughs> really enjoyed that. Uh, I've been reading a book called Maiden Voyage, which is about a girl sailing around the world solo. Uh, oh, she's Getting 18. Some ideas. Yeah, it's really. Uh, she's mostly staying in the trade winds. I'm also only like 15% of the way through the book. But sure. <laughs> it definitely seems more manageable than uh, sailing around the world because that Southern Ocean, <laughs> VV terrifying. uh but i'm enjoying that so that's a media consumption uh i watched also piercer this week and maiden voyage sorry just real quick i just got maiden voyage that's fun that's a clever title isn't it (laughs) sorry yeah it took me a little while but i finally got there so (laughs) the uh whitbread round the world race the the team that was all women i think it was in 1990 their Mm -hmm. boat's name was maiden oh nice which i also really liked um but yeah, so I watched Snowpiercer this week, and holy shit, fantastic movie! Uh, <laughs> very intense, uh, very very good. I oh god, I, I was like, this is the best movie I've seen since Parasite. You should check out the TV show Snowpiercer now, or don't. I've heard that it's <laughs> only okay. <laughs> I haven't watched it. That's mostly a joke. (laughs) What's weird is I was expecting it to be a documentary on ear ear piercing snow, giving snow some earrings. And then I was like, wow, this is not at all what I expected. (laughs) That was a stretch even by your standards, Tierney. (laughs) Um, No, but I thought it was really good. It's the first time I... Oh, that's just negative. Maybe I won't say that. Um, I really enjoyed everyone on screen. And the counterpart of Except that is... Except for Tilda Swinton. Which is surprising because there's one particular actor that I struggle to care about his characters, typically. Uh, that I didn't dislike him in this. Can you guys guess? Was who? it Ed Harris? No. Uh, Chris Evans? Yep. What? Chris Evans is great. I almost never really care about his characters. <laughs> we'll have a longer discussion about that uh, on another podcast. Yeah, we, I was going to say, we got we to gotta break that one down a little bit. <laughs> I think it's yeah. mo- I've really only seen him in Captain America, and I think I just don't like Captain America. God, you're rude. Did you not see Knives Out? Oh, I didn't really care for him in that either. <laughs> but also, I had uh, that movie, I guess, just probably wasn't for me. Like well, I think he's excellent. Loved it, but I, I loved Marta in that movie. It was like, 
the mm-hmm. thing yeah. that I loved about that movie. But yeah, Snowpiercer, so great. Uh, the woman I... who plays, um, I don't know her name. Uh, she's the daughter. Of I've the... never seen that movie, I so I have no yeah, idea. I okay, I don't know her name. But she was so good. <laughs> her face is so expressive. I gotta rewatch Snowpiercer. And apparently, I learned while watching the movie that it was originally a graphic novel, and that movie feels the most like a graphic novel out of all of the graphic novel comic book movies that have ever been made. I will say, as a person who reads comic books, that is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That it, it, I might, to you, it might have felt like a very comic book movie. To me, it doesn't feel like a comic book. It just, like, plows so... There's like no uh, structure to it that reads like a comic book because it the, just plows the shots. Ahead. Oh, sure, 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 like sure. The cinematography oh, yeah, it's feels framed. the most like a comic book versus like oh, all of Marvel, yeah. Watchmen, any of those. So I could actually, yeah, I agree with that then. Yeah, for sure, because it is framed in a way of like panel to panel because you're in room to room. Mm-hmm. The colors change so much. In any case, yeah, I agree. Oh, um, I, I feel so special now. Matt endorses my comic book take. <laughs> no, you can have your own comic book takes and it doesn't need an endorsement from me. Oh, but it's so much better when it does. <laughs> anyway, so would recommend it's on Netflix, everybody. Yeah, I've been... Mm-hmm. So, Parasite was the first... Not the first Bong Joon-ho movie I saw, but I saw the host one time in like early college so it's been a very long time and i barely remember anything about it so i've been meaning to a watch more of his movies and b rewatch the hosts um so i might do that when we get to the bong joon ho episode of this podcast which Mm -hmm. probably will be some time from now but yeah i'm about to start plowing through all of his movies that i can say i think Almost all of them are on some sort of streaming service at this point. I think there might only be like one or two that, are, that you can't find, but I think that there's some on Netflix and some on Hulu. So have yourself a little Bong Joon Ho down. Oh, no, no. <laughs> that was worse than everything I've done. That was worse than Pasta Alfredo. That was worse Wrong. than piercing snow. No, 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 no. Oh, oh. goodness. All right. Um, good job, team. Next week is the lobster. Is that correct? <gasps> Hell yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. You guys, I'm so excited. Which all of us have seen. Uh, this was but, my pick, you know, guys. Not in a little while. I'm excited. I haven't watched this. I've only watched this twice, I think. I've only seen it the, first, the one time that we watched it at the apartment. Oh, what an interesting conversation this is going to be. Uh, uh, fun also, fact, I, I've seen it yeah. several times, and I introduced it. I made my sister watch it one time because which, heavily which featured in Shay. Oh, well, okay. I guess now the whole podcast world knows. Uh, heavily <laughs> featured in the Lobster soundtrack is Shostakovich's eighth string quartet, and she loves mm. Shostakovich. And so I made her watch it, and I'm so excited to rewatch it. <laughs> Yay! Because nice. I also love Shostakovich. Oh, bless. All right. Well, uh, that sounds <laughs> exciting. I haven't seen that movie in several years, but I do love our boy Yorgos, or at least his English movies, which are the only ones that I've seen. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Uh, I'm going to 
I'm going to close the podcast uh, or podcast uh, with a slightly different thing. Uh, oh. I learned an Italian tongue twister uh, from uh, a gentleman named Alvin in Rome. Uh, and it loosely translates to on the bench, the goat is alive. Under the bench, the goat dies. Uh, but it's a tongue twister. And so that's how I'm going to end it because it's fun to say. Here we go. Sopra la panca, la capra campa. Sotto la panca, la capra crepa. That would be very difficult to say. Yeah, I, uh, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> That's it. I'm finished. <laughs>